Well, hello everybody. Um, David Wilkinson here, and it's a great pleasure to be with everybody for another update on the COVID-19 epidemic, and particularly what it means for all of us in general practice and skin cancer. Um, we're all being bombarded with information from all sources about this uh, extraordinary pandemic. And one of the things I'm trying to do is just um, make a little bit of sense of all of the information that's coming through to all of us and provide it to all of you in hopefully um, an accurate and simple form. So what I'm going to do in the next few minutes is just give you a little bit of an overview of the reality of the pandemic, uh, what's actually happening in Australia right now, um, what we think might happen, and to talk a little bit about what it means for us in our practices and point you in the direction of some uh, key, key resources that you might find useful. So first of all, um, you know, it's late March 2020, and at the end of November 2019, so four or five months ago, there started to be a few cases of a strange viral pneumonia in uh, China, in uh, the city of Wuhan, in Hubei province in China, uh, a, a city and a province that I'm sure almost all of us have never heard of. But it's a big city, uh, 10 or 12 million people. And um, the virus, the coronavirus, clearly jumped probably from a bat to a pangolin to a human. And then human to human transmission occurred. So this virus, this new coronavirus, had never been found in humans before. It may have occurred, but hadn't been noticed. And very quickly, as we all know, in the city of Wuhan and then uh, around China, particularly in Hubei province, but also then around China as people from Wuhan traveled, an explosive epidemic occurred. I don't think any of us, uh, and I'm an infectious disease epidemiologist by training, and I don't think any of us had any idea that we might end up with a pandemic four months later of the form that we have. So the infection spread around the world as people traveled away from initially China to the US, to Europe and elsewhere, and of course to Australia. And we are now faced in almost every country uh, with a rapidly growing number of cases of coronavirus um, in, in all populations. So, in Australia, um, we now have a number of cases that is about 2,250 as I speak today. The number of cases is doubling every three to four days, and it will probably continue to do that for some time. Um, in, in Australia, almost all of, or I should say the large majority of these cases are imported cases from travelers returning to Australia. Uh, and then the contacts of those people. But there, there are cases now of what we call community transmission uh, with no history of travel or contact with travelers. And there are some uh, 
um, so-called super spreading events. There's a, a now quite famous uh, wedding in Sydney where I think about 35 people became infected in one, in one setting. This is absolutely typical of infectious diseases. So why does all of this matter? Um, it matters because this is not the flu. This is not another influenza. This is more serious than influenza. There is no human immunity. So there's at least the possibility that everybody will get infected at some stage. Um, the experts are modeling anywhere 20%, 40%, 60%, even 80% of a population becoming infected if there's no intervention. Um, so there's a lot of people will become infected and a lot of people will become sick. Now, the good news is that about 80 to 85% of the people that get sick it's a very mild illness. It's a bit like the flu, a bit like an upper respiratory tract infection. The problem is um, it's worse than the flu in people who get seriously unwell. So something like 10 or 15% of people will be very unwell and may well require hospitalization. They get a viral pneumonia and they can't breathe properly and their oxygen saturations fall and they need oxygen therapy and sometimes ventilation and so on. And that there will be a proportion of people, it might be 5% that require intensive care and the death rate is probably five or 10 times higher than flu. And so the reason that all the governments around the world are reacting the way they are reacting is simply to try and flatten the curve, the term we've all heard. What that means is we want there to be fewer cases and spread over a longer period of time, simply because if this epidemic spreads in any community without intervention, the, the hospitals and the health services will be overwhelmed and particularly in ICU there will not be enough beds and enough doctors and nurses and enough ventilators and people will die from viral infection um, when they would otherwise survive. So this is what we're seeing in Italy at the moment. Uh, you all hear the news stories of the number of cases in Italy and the number of deaths in Italy. And that's exactly what's happened here. So the reason that the Australian government uh, is reacting the way it is reacting now is simply to try and reduce, limit the transmission of this virus so that we have fewer people who get seriously ill and end up in ICU so that those that do can be looked after properly. That's what's going on here. Of course, the interventions themselves are enormous. Um, the shutdown of businesses, the jobs that are being lost, bars, cafes, restaurants, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, is horrific. Um, and this is the price that is being paid to try and limit the spread of this virus. How do we limit the spread? We have less contact with each other. Uh, that's the fundamental of this and if we link that to much improved 
personal and professional hygiene, then we will limit the spread of the virus. This has been shown to work. It's worked in Singapore, it's worked in Taiwan, it's worked in South Korea. Um, this will work. If we do this properly, it will work. So, so what that means in a very practical sense is that we have to uh, have extreme personal hygiene, washing our hands uh, regularly and repeatedly, and in our clinics, of course, washing them between every patient, no question about that. Um, we also, if uh, we or any of our, of, of anybody we know gets sick with upper respiratory infections, then uh, we have to uh, isolate ourselves. Uh, we have to practice very strict hygiene, uh, sneezing into our elbow, as they, as they tell us, and throwing our tissues away. We have to be very careful about not touching commonly used surfaces like uh, door handles and bench tops, etc. And uh, if we all do that, we will reduce the, the transmission. But we also have to stay at home as much as we can, as we've now heard uh, the Prime Minister say. Um, we have to limit the interaction we have with other people, essentially to our, our immediate family. Now, um, the implications for us in our practices go a little bit like this. Um, the Prime Minister and the National Cabinet have also made it clear that uh, all workers in Australia are essential and everybody that can work should work. Um, this is vitally important for the individuals, for all of us as workers, to keep earning a living for our families, etc. And we need the Australian economy to keep going as much as we possibly can. So all medical services remain open. Uh, all health services remain open and at, uh, for now um, our, our, the skin cancer clinics uh, should remain open, the general practices should remain open and we have all of the normal uh, care that we need to continue uh, to provide for all of our patients. Um, the, the, now all of this is changing on a daily basis so just today for example all non-essential non um, operations have been cancelled across Australia. Category 3 operations have been uh, postponed. Uh, only urgent cases will be done. This is to um, um, make sure that we don't run out of all of the protective equipment that, that we need in the hospitals, uh, getting ready for um, a larger number of sick people. But the skin cancer clinics, the general practices, all of them should keep open and, and, and keep going. You'll all be aware that the government has already started to open special respiratory clinics. Uh, the idea here is to divert patients with upper respiratory tract infections away from general practice. Um, they've also opened up telehealth um, Medicare item numbers and there will be um, a bigger announcement this week. We understand that we'll essentially open up telemedicine, telehealth uh, to all GPs and all patients. And again, this is so that normal services can be provided as, as far as possible and as safely as possible. So if we are <coughs> GPs in practice, 
um, and we have patients who have symptoms of upper respiratory tract infections, fever, cough, runny nose, etc. They are all asked to call ahead and not just turn up. They're asked to call ahead. Uh, they're asked to call the national hotline and we should divert them to a respiratory clinic uh, if we have one uh, nearby. They're all being set up right now uh, with the support of the primary health networks. Um, we should take the normal precautions that we take in general practice. Um, I talked about the personal hygiene, the professional hygiene, uh, cleaning the uh, countertops, um, the door handles, etc., etc. Um, it's really important that we do that anyway, and it's doubly important that we that we do that now. There are many. Uh, official high quality resources available to us. Um, I would recommend the information that is being sent out every day to every GP by the uh, Royal Australian College of GPs. Uh, if you don't get that, let us know, we'll send it to you, but there's very good updates there on, on very clear practical advice on what everybody should do in, in the clinics. Um, again, I will stress that this is a minor or mild illness for the large majority of people that get it. The at-risk groups are the elderly and those with chronic medical conditions. Um, for almost everybody else, uh, this is a, a, mild, a mild condition. So it's really ab about doing everything that we know we should be doing in terms of uh, keeping sick people away from well people and um, practicing all of the necessary personal and um, professional hygiene uh, practices. Um, the, other, the other thing I would just say is that we should expect the following in my view. Uh, number one, this is, this is going to get uh, worse before it gets better. There will be many more cases, many more people admitted to hospital, many more people in intensive care and and we all have our role to play um, to limit transmission and that's primarily in our social lives um, but we also have a role to play in caring for our patients and doing so under the uh, the best possible conditions in terms of of, of cleanliness uh, in our clinics we, we, we can expect to see a lot more cases um, in the coming weeks. We can also expect, I think, to see the social and uh, economic impact of all of this um, probably for another month or two. Um, I think everybody would expect the current restrictions to be in place for at least a month to see how effective they are. If you want to monitor that, keep an eye on the number of new cases every day. Don't worry about the cumulative curve. That, that takes a long time to change. But the number of new cases each day is the key thing to monitor in terms of how this epidemic is tracking. But um, I, I would recommend everybody starts thinking about this as a multi-month um, activity and thinking about how you structure your personal lives and your professional lives to, to take account of that. Um, 
The, the other thing that people ask about a lot is a vaccine. It's difficult to see this epidemic going away without a vaccine. Um, there are many candidate vaccines already under development. Uh, some of them are in, in early stage uh, animal trials. Um, there is a lot of money going into a lot of research and a very rapid um, program of development of candidate vaccines. Normally, you would say it'll take 12 to 18 months. Maybe we'll, we'll be lucky and the, the combined scientific and medical effort will do something in six or nine or 12 months. Uh, it's difficult for me to see how the travel restrictions change, particularly in terms of our external border, uh, any time this year. So while all of that's quite gloomy, I think it's important that everybody understands that reality. Um, so again, we can start to think about our personal and professional lives um, in, that, in that sort of uh, regard. Um, we have had um, a number of, of questions from people uh, in response to a prior update. Let me just go through um, one or two of those to maybe uh, clarify a, a few things. Um, the first question uh, talks about um, sexual relationships and, and the risk of transmission. I mean, clearly, this is not a sexually transmitted infection, but definitely uh, casual sexual relations between people uh, is high risk. And I do note that um, brothels and other sex work establishments are specifically closed for business, as, uh, along with um, a wide range of other businesses, obviously. Um, should we be continuing our skin cancer practices? Definitely. Um, patients uh, with skin cancer or at risk of skin cancer still need skin checks. They still need skin cancer care. Uh, we should press on with all of that uh, business as usual. Uh, there may come a time when we need to divert some of our um, resources uh, more towards uh, COVID, but uh, that's not necessary at the moment. Um, wearing a mask. Um, the evidence is that wearing a mask is helpful if you are infected and you're coughing, but that wearing a mask is not good protection. Um, so if I was a GP consulting now, uh, normal uh, well patients or people without respiratory infection, I would not be wearing uh, a, a mask. 70-year-old uh, doctor in good health, should I continue to see patients? My advice is yes. Uh, I would say you should see as many of them as you can with the telehealth item numbers, uh, but you should still provide a face-to-face -face service for those patients that need face-to-face. Um, but I would not see patients with upper respiratory infections. I would make sure that they are screened out in the normal way uh, by having them uh, call the hotline or be diverted to a respiratory clinic. Um, there's a question about masks and gowns and resources at GP clinics. Um, the principal medical advisor from the Department of Health, Professor Michael Kidd, uh, who is a GP, a very experienced and eminent GP, as many of you know, a very good guy, has made it very clear that the primary health networks have sufficient equipment. 
they are being asked to give it out in relatively small batches to general practices, but apparently there is sufficient there. So I would say just keep, um, just keep doing it, keep asking uh, for it. Um, there's a question here about how do we practice social distancing while doing a skin check? Well, we don't need to practice social distancing while doing a skin check, and obviously we can't. Um, we should only be doing skin checks on people who are well. Uh, we don't do skin checks on patients with upper respiratory infections. And um, uh, the transmission of this virus occurs through close contact for an extended period of time um, with an infected person. So somebody who was symptomatic and you were in close contact for about 15 minutes, uh, that's, that's how transmission occurs. So if the patient is not symptomatic, then um, it's safe uh, to, do the, to do the skin check. Um, there's a question here about clinical features uh, of, of COVID. Well, so the, the presentation is some combination of fever, uh, cough, runny nose, aches and pains, and then it becomes chest pain, shortness of breath, difficulty breathing, as I said, with a viral pneumonia, and those are the sorts of patients that, that, that obviously get um, admitted um, to hospital. And the final question, how long do we advise patients to isolate if they have upper respiratory infections? Well, the advice there would be to isolate until you are well and, and symptom-free. Um, and once that has occurred, then you are um, essentially not infectious. So in closing, I hope that's been useful. We're going to try and do these updates uh, most weeks to give everybody a sense of how the epidemic is progressing. Uh, let me again direct you to the College of GPs emails and website for the best evidence for GPs. And the health.gov.au website has some really good, simple, clear resources. Um, I Wish everybody well and uh, hope everybody stays safe out there. Thank you very much.